0: As we continue in our sermon series on um, in uh, Peter's uh, letter 1 Peter 1 And we're reading verse 13 all the way down to chapter 2 verse 3 um, And a bit of a, a health warning before we read this one today uh, Peter warns us that this is complicated stuff And he says at the beginning prepare your minds for action Because it's complicated stuff So, uh, so yeah, fasten your seatbelts i've done this once already and i can't say that i've got it clear 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 in my head so yeah, i pray that the lord will bless us as we as we grapple with his word Um, yes so chapter 1 verse 13 therefore preparing your minds for action and being completely sober-minded set your hope on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of jesus christ all your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere bro- brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all is glory like a flower of glass, grass. Grass. The grass withers and the flower fails or falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, exciting news. I'll start with the application first, so we get that out of the way, and then we'll see why that is the application. Application, the best way to understand application is just is, is, is an answer, a three-part answer to the question, who am I? What is my identity? So I'm going to deal a little bit with identity politics, just skirt around the edges today. But But who am I? Who am I? And the application is the answer, and it comes in three parts. Uh, The the application will be, this is who you are, by remembering who you are. You've got to remember who you are. And he then references how we became who we are, through God's Word. uh, How we now need to long for that Word to continue to shape us, so that we can grow up in the Word. So remember who you are, go long for it, eat and drink it, and grow up in it. That's the first sort of application. Second application is now live in line with this truth. So remember who you are, now live in line with this truth. And he says there's two aspects to living in line with this truth. The first one is you've got to pursue personal purity at all times. You've got to pursue it. You've got to work at it. To live in line with this truth, you're working and living with personal integrity, with purity. And then with that, to live in line with it, you live in reverence and awe at God your Father. And that's where the gospel fits in. God your Father who redeemed you through Jesus Christ. That is the fuel for this fire. Third application. Build a community of people that lives like this. Build a community of people that lives like this. That's why he says love one another sincerely, authentically, really and completely. Speak openly uh, and and, and, and grapple with one another, love one another, the word calls the church into being, and the church then embodies the word, that's, that's what he's saying there, so those are the three applications, remember who you are, live in line with it, and build a community that looks like it, and that's what we're going to delve into, I wish I was clever enough, then I, that would have been my three main points of the talk today, I would have had, first one is remember who you are, and did this, and then uh, live in line with it, did that, and then, it is a bit like that, so you might make the connections for yourself. So good luck doing that. I couldn't do it, but you might do it on the fly. My first point is actually something completely different. <laughs> the rise and triumph of the modern self. That's going to be my first point. The rise and triumph of the modern self. My second point is going to be the rise and triumph of the obedient child. <laughs> the obedient child. Uh, and then thirdly. How to build a community that looks like this. How to build a community that looks like this. Rise and triumph of the modern self. Now, some of you nodded when I when I, I blurted out that title for my point, because it's the title of a book by a man called Carl Truman. It's a book which is going to be my Christmas reading, uh, and I'm, I'm going to buy it at, as gifts for people that I think deserve it so far i could only find one but there might be one or two here as well i think it's i think i think it's really what we need Uh, and here's why carl truman is a bit of a historian he's a theologian historian and what he does is he plots the rise of the modern self and you think what is the modern self what's that all about another way he plots the rise of the psychological self He, he goes back to history and says at which point did we become so obsessed with the self and with how the self is feeling and at which point did the self become the one that shapes the world that I live in at which point did the self become the final arbiter of truth is perhaps another way of saying it at which point did it begin that we start to say if I want to know who I am I look inside when did that begin so he traces it back to Jean-Jacques Rousseau in the 18th century then the romanticism and uh, a lot of art that is obsessed with feeling and with experience and with the self and the self's uh, um, uh, happiness in fact his little statement that he has here is he says uh, the self today is one of primarily psychological construction so forgive me for some of the big words I'm about to say he argued that human beings Would be at their most authentic if they were not forced to play alien roles imposed on them by the polite conventions of society in this world it is society that corrupts with its demands that we conform to its conventions society's ills stemmed from this alienating external environment and he continues to say that if the self this is what Jean-Jacques Rousseau thought he said if the self was just left on its own without the world telling it who it is, it would have had perfect empathy with one another. It would have been a, a self made utopia where people would be kind and nice and loving towards each other. The self can then be authentic to itself. But the problem, many believed, is that convention, the establishment from the outside, tells us who we are. The family, uh, the school, Uh, the state and the church comes and tells us who we are Uh, and he and he and he said well actually this has been different because in earlier days it has been the established external structures that defined who people are they had to locate themselves they had to find their place in the world that's what i heard my grandparents my parents say you've got to find your place in the world that phrase today will not be allowed you've got to find Your meaning and purpose inside. Whatever makes you happy is what should be, what you pursue. And so that is that is two very big things. So to summarise it a little bit, the modern self says, if you want to find out who you are, look inside. The old answer is, if you want to find out who you are, look outside. So what's the Bible's answer on this? Look inside or look outside? The answer is yes. (laughs) The answer is both. The answer is look inside. And look outside but look inside through the lens of the gospel and look outside with the lens of the gospel if you don't do that then unfortunately you'll end up a real mess a right mess and society will end up a real mess and here's the reason for that Jeremiah 17 verse 9 simply just says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it take that on board if the heart is what tells you who you are and what's going on in the world, but the heart is deceitful and the heart is desperately sick. Then it is a bit like looking at the world through these windows behind you. You can't quite make it out. It's a little bit deceptive. Is that a lady waving at me? Or is that a Christmas tree? You know, I don't know what it is, but I'm, no, there's, there's no lady there, by the way. We look at the world through our hearts, but our hearts are bent and warped and what it tells us who we are and who it tells us the world, other way around who it tells us what we are or what the world is is messed up and so the gospel needs to come and tell us who we are Uh, and so Peter comes to speak to us about that in this passage he says to us that we need to find out who we are in one little phrase that he has for us and it is Verse 14, as obedient children. As obedient children. So my second point is the rise and triumph of the obedient child. The obedient child. I just need to open my Bible at the actual place. Um, and in order to understand this just a tiny bit better. I know our English translation says there, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. As obedient children. But what we're missing out is he's saying, as children who has obedience as their father. He's, he's beginning to introduce language which shapes the rest of this passage. He's going to talk about two parent parents. There's two parents in this passage. Uh, and the one parent uh, he calls the forefathers uh, and he will say to us the futile ways of the forefathers. He'll talk to us about the forefathers uh, and their ignorance. He'll talk about our former ways. So everyone is born with this position as with Adam as their father, futile, ignorant, former ways, former passions. Uh, and he would say to us that, that that actually, uh, led to so much, uh, Bad behavior, slander, malice, evil, all those things. It comes because we've got a parent called Adam. But but he's trying to introduce to us that most identity-shaping person in your life. And he says, there's another parent that arrives on the scene. And you, as Christians, have him as your father. And his name is, I say that slightly tongue-in-the-cheek, his name is Obedience. Uh, Because this passage, verse 14, as Children of obedience. So, some aspect of who God the Father is has something to do with obedience, with the righteousness, with truthfulness, with faithfulness, with sticking to your word. But we've got to unpack that. We've got to unpack that. So, the rise and triumph of true identity of the obedient child. What is that all about? Now we've got to go back to what Peter did at the beginning. Can you remember how Peter started his letter? He had that exclamation mark sentence, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He starts his whole letter to remind us, of a word that's not normal for us, but people did not speak of God as their Father. Peter starts by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now Peter is at pains throughout his letter to show us that God is not just Jesus' Father, He's your Father. You, you've got a new parent that you've swapped from Adam's line to, to God's line, and he's trying to unpack how that works. Okay, we played the tape back two weeks ago, and I said, "Unshakable joy." You want unshakable joy? People said yes, and I had an arm here and there, and people were, you know, very excited about unshakable joy. I said, "How do you get unshakable joy?" He said, "Ah, it's easy. Faith." Faith gives you unshakable joy. I said, faith in whom or what? Faith in Jesus. Hey, great, that's the right answer. Faith in Jesus gives you unshakable What part of faith in Jesus? Jesus' resurrection. That's what we heard right at the beginning, verse 3 of chapter 1. Faith in Jesus' resurrection leads to unshakable joy. So said, okay, where do we get this faith? Where do we get this faith? And Peter told us, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It is the rebirth that leads to faith in the resurrection of jesus christ that gives you the unshakable joy it is the rebirth can you hear the language a parent how do you become a parent by having a child by by giving birth to a child peter is saying to us god the father the father of obedience has children that came came to be through the rebirth and he's going to explain to us how that rebirth worked you can see it already in the passage that rebirth is from seed. What seed? Not perishable seed, like gold or silver. He says, no, there is seed, that led to the rebirth, so that you can start on this, new parentage, that leads to this new identity, and he says, that seed is, the word. It is the word. Having been born again, verse 23, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living, and abiding word, of God. That is the seed so if you want to find out my true identity has a beginning its beginning is the rebirth the rebirth happened by the seed of the word the word came into my ears through the preaching of that word and as that word was being preached at me it shaped my identity as a child that now has a father and because it shaped my identity a child that has a father I started to become more like my father. He is holy, so I am required to be holy. And as this journey goes on, I become more and more sure of who I am. So the question was, who am I? Peter's answer is, look in and look out. Look in at the new heart, at the rebirth. Look in at the old heart that was deceptive above all things. And that you could only be saved if God came and gave you a new heart. That's what He did. That's what we heard last week. That Jesus, the final treasure of His obedience on the cross, was that He had the Holy Spirit that He could pour out on His people that would circumcise Him in the heart. We now have new hearts, rebirth, so that we can now eat and drink the Word of God and grow up in the Word of God and become more who we are. So we look in at the new heart and we look up look out at our new father father of obedience our children of obedience what does it mean to have god as your father what does it mean to have god as your father i know if we stop now and i just asked you to share stories about how your parents your biological parents have shaped who you are today we'll be here all day there'll be plenty of tears i'll get the buckets we'll collect the tears there'll be plenty of tears because we've been raised by sinners And they've fallen short and they've fallen asleep and they've lost interest but there were great times of care and love and, and and our identities are inextricably wound up with our families with our parents they've had an impact on who we are today some of that we're desperately thankful for and other things we are a bit sad about but that's who we are we've been shaped by our parents Peter is saying that's powerful yes But let me tell you what's far more powerful than that, God as your father, God as your parent, having his heart within you, having his word in your ears, having his community, his family around you. This shapes your identity so that you can be really true to who you are. Now, um, one of the ways that we unlock this behavior, this change in behavior to live differently is through knowing knowing so peter started this passage he said so the rise and triumph of two true identity of uh, the rise and triumph of of obedient children where does it start well it's the rebirth and it's the word and, but it's knowing it's knowing stuff uh, the, the the greek right at the beginning says prepare your minds for action It's actually get your minds ready to learn and to think it then goes on to say And being sober-minded. He's actually saying, and being completely in control of your thought processes. No irrational thinking. He says, think this out. Think this out. Why? Because he says, there's former ways of our forefathers that are constantly waging war against our identity. And if you think, oh, let's just go with the flow. I'll just float through life. I, for one, am not interested in a conservative evangelical church culture. That's lovely and it has its benefits. H- having that label over Canada Water Church or having that label over individuals in Canada Water Church is neither here nor there. What I'm interested in is people that say, I am letting my identity be shaped by the gospel, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how do I do it? I lean into the God I listen to it I I think it out I think it through I think through the consequences of my decisions I I, I think carefully when I do things how does this relate to my actual identity I belong to God I've been reborn now I've been I've been made new I've got his word that he speaks to me I've got my former ways that's constantly trying to pull me back pull me back pull me back but hey hang on who am I I'm a child of God I know this to be true the trouble with this of course is that the Old Testament saints also had this they also had this they had God as their judge they had God as their judge and this passage tells us in where is it which verse uh, where he talks about God as our judge but the pressure blood of the, um, verse 17 and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds Conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. Old Israel also had God as their judge, but he did not change their ways. they constantly broke his ways. They could not follow him with all of his heart or all of their hearts. But you're a New Testament believer if you're a Christian here today. you're a New Testament believer that has God now as your father, his spirit living inside of you and what's more profound, Is that you now know God not just as your judge, but you know God as your Redeemer. You know God as your Redeemer. And let's just think about that for a moment. Our parents, I don't know about your parents, but sometimes aloof, powerful, hardworking, serious, a little bit difficult to access... And other times at holidays, Christmas time in South Africa is wonderful. We go down to the beach and my dad's in his swimming trunks and we're rolling around playing in the sand. We're playing with... Free. And all of a sudden, everything is different. You know, the school report is a distant memory. Um, everything else. And oh, it's like everyone's kids again. And we're just playing. We're rough and tumbling in the water. But to have both of those together at the same time didn't happen often. You know, didn't happen often. And I'm now a father and I see that I'm quite hard-pressed sometimes to be both a father with authority and a father with intimacy and accessibility it seems to me that human fathers are unable to bring these two things together we're either just playful and not serious and fun-loving or we're just serious withdrawn and cold and actually that shapes our children who they become because we have these two things but but in god these two come together You have God as your judge, verse 17, verse 18, knowing that you were ransomed. Ransomed by Him. Ransomed by Him. Redeemed by Him. Not, He goes on to say, with perishable things like, this or that or the other. He says, no, by giving to us, for our sake, says verse 20, His Son. For our sake, His Son. Christ redeemed us. God gave his son in order to redeem us. We have the most high God that deserves only reverence and awe and and distant respect. And at the same time, we have the God that redeemed us by taking our muck and our mess upon himself. And then stepping into our absolute self-created awful disaster of a life. He takes our place. He takes it all. He says, no, you go, you go, you go. And he takes our place. And all of your debts start to wrangle him, and, and all of your debts start to come and beat him, and 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 he's taking your pla- and 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 you get to go, you leave, and as you leave, you're not just left on the street destitute to be wondering, okay, now I've been liberated. Okay. Well, what am I going to do? You're taken straight into his home. You're taken straight into his home. New clothes. Uh, you're given food, and you're given access, uh, and you're given proximity and love and Every now and again you think I've got to get on my own feet. You know, I've got to leave the father's house, do my own thing. He says, no, no, don't leave. There's no point. This is who you are. You're my child. I want you here. I've come to bless you. I've come to lavish my blessings upon you. You are to be the recipient of my glory. He gave his glory to his son. He raised him from the grave. He gives his glory to his church. He says, just come and enjoy me. I'm your father. I'm both majestic and glorious and wonderful. And intimately accessible and open who can you bother at 3 a.m. in the morning for a glass of water Ask Stim Keller only a father that loves you and cares for you here we have a father that loves and cares for us far more intimately and this is what needs to shape our identity we are obedient children children of obedience we are children of God we're children of God you're a child of God this is the trouble we live as if we're orphans and therefore our behavior falls apart our friendship circles falls apart everything around us falls apart because we live and behave and act as if we're orphans that are independent and we have no clarity in the way forward we actually have God has given us the truth says, think it out think it out for yourself and make decisions that match with this. now I've lost my place completely let's go to the third point this will help third point is Not just remember who you are that was one of my applications then remember you are then secondly what was the second application was um no 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 we've got it wrong now what was the first of again Chris you wrote it down yeah second one is live in line with your faith first one was remember you are second one is live in line with your faith let me just carry on a little bit more with that one live in line with your faith peter is quite clever in the way that he does here he, he employs the language we often use when people have children we say, oh, he looks a bit like you oh he is a bit like you oh the apple doesn't fall far from the tree oh he's a chip of the old block you know we've got this sort of thing going on and, and, and peter uses the same argument and he says look if you're going to live in line with who you are god is holy therefore you are to be holy so our behavior is shaped and it started right at the new birth the new birth Gives us the new hearts, the new hearts, puts us in a new relationship with the Father. We are now His children. And because He is now Father, He shapes our identity. How does He shape our identity? We become like Him. We become wholly like Him in our conduct. Live in line with who you are. Our third point was, build a community of people living in line with it. Build a community. I, I, I love this. It puts the tools into our hands for a little bit. I know there could be uh, this wrong idea in our minds that, look, a Christian's life is basically just in the hands of God and you just, you're, you're just like floating around and He's taking you wherever He's going. You just float around wherever He's taking you. And that's called fatalism. And that's not what the Bible is presenting. The Bible says you've got to work out your faith with fear and trembling. Peter would say to him, think it through, think it out. Think it out and then go build something. Build your identity on this foundation of the rebirth, but also build your community, your church, on this foundation. Now, at this point, I can speak a little bit more personally. I, I hear the injunction, you can read it. Where is it, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you've been born again. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart building a community like this where you love one another sincerely from a pure heart is something we can do but we have to think it out and we've got to be deliberate and intentional in building this it won't come naturally it won't come by itself because by itself we'll go back to our former ways which is comfortable leave me alone i don't want to talk to you i don't want to contact you i don't want to know of your pain and suffering and struggles I'm kind of fine with my quiet life where I've got my own interests I pursue, just let me be. Peter says, no, 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 no. You've been born again. You've been born again, now a child of God and into the family of God. Now what you need to do is love one another eagerly, earnestly. And he uses two words for love there. The one is uh, Philadelphia is the word we get for brotherhood. Uh, the kind of love of brothers. Now, I often see this brotherhood when I look out of this window. You look at this work site. They're digging. They're digging down. they not. You must have seen what they're doing. You know, it's fascinating. You just stand at the window and see these guys, and you see they're working together. And the other day, beautiful scene. This guy is carrying this heavy pipe, and it's just, he's just. He's got to put it into a hole somewhere in front of him. And he's just carrying this heavy, heavy thing, and he's about to topple over. And two guys just see him, and they run towards him and they push it up again. And they finally get it into its place <clears throat> and it's slotted into place. step back and you can see the camaraderie between the three men they want to go yeah we did it oh, you, know, oh, you know all of that stuff, but they're not english so they just go mm. <laughs> yeah. there's incredible camaraderie that i see on that on that uh, on that workplace there i'd love to see that more and more in canada water church that we do things together that we it be brother, like brother, brothers in arms. We're, we're doing something. We're working together and keep pursuing it. There's always these little glimpses of it. The foundation, Peter will tell us, is because you've been born again, that leads to this brotherhood. None of us have worked for it. We just were given this. I didn't own the brothers and sisters that I have. I was just given them. He says, but go one step further. Now love agape love not just fellowship brotherly love agape love which is the sacrificial kind of love it's the giving up my time and comfort kind of love he says that love you need to do earnestly love one another earnestly from a pure heart now the beauty of all of this is he says love one another earnestly we all go oh my goodness how, how do i do that from a pure heart are you kidding me this heart of mine but go back the sentence started having purified your souls having purified your soul I'm not a Greek expert but the experts tell me the way it's written in the Greek it talks of a fixed state it said that man's soul is purified it's done it's done it's a bit like these communion cups Stefania has done it she's had a mask on she's done her hand she's covered it up its status under there it's purified it's done He it said because that is done because you have purified now from these pure hearts love one another earnestly and friends we've got to stop something which I've discovered a little bit of in my in my am in my, um, I reading up about how rust works you've got you know I've got this old car and it's rusting away apparently this happens to things on earth they rust but you know how rust works All cars that's on the road they're actually rusting as we speak but they're rusting underneath the paint you can't see that the metal is oxidizing and it's slowly deteriorating eventually the whole thing just falls apart but what the manufacturers do is they take the raw metal before they put the color on it and they put some zinc on it that's called a sacrificial layer and when the rust happens it eats the zinc it takes about 10 years that's why they can give you a 10 year warranty in a car that they sprayed with zinc because it eats for 10 years the zinc before it starts to eat the paint the time you see that your car is rusting is when the paint starts bubbling a bit like your dad's mark you know on the, <laughs> on the wheel arches It took about 15 years before it started happening because the sacrificial layer has been eaten up and then it comes through the surface you know we do the same thing with each other and I do it as well We create this this sacrificial person that we put out there. All kinds of interests, because this person, I keep the real self, I keep you. And I put the sacrificial self over there. He's very interesting, this guy. How are you doing? I've got an answer for that. What did you do this weekend? I've got an answer for that. What do you really want in life? I've got an answer for that. You know, your whole persona is your sacrificial person. And sometimes there's a few holes in your sacrificial person and people start to realize there's a real one yeah and that normally just around the time that you move to a new job or you move house or you move neighbor or but the sacrificial person sort of can can be eaten away by the rough and tumble of life but the real self I keep aside You can have your own view whether or not that's a good or bad thing in the world out there but in the church it has got no place the sacrificial person has no place in, in the church yeah, we want the authentic, real relationship. That is how you build a community that is actually able to build your identity. And you sometimes feel a little bit uncomfortable when we pray, and we're a group of Christians together and we pray. And I know something that's going on in your life. And I prayer points into oh, pray for my big toe. You know, I say I want to push you a little bit. Say you can tell us about your struggles with singleness. We're a church that can deal with that. You can tr- you can tell us with the struggles of your marriage parenting childlessness you can tell us with your struggles with debt or with old scars this is the place to deal with it because this is where we'll love you earnestly and from the heart this is not the place where you bring your sacrificial person that we can and you go off and feel a little bit better because you've heard something nice this is a place we want to love each other from the heart We're probably going to meet like this until april in smaller groups like this it gives us an opportunity turn around you talk to the people around you to love one another earnestly and from the heart your hearts have been purified by god he's washed you he's cleansed you there's nothing to hide here (laughs) if you've got something to hide you've not given that to jesus to deal with so please don't do that just bring it to jesus and deal and relate to one another really and honestly because if we're going to build something that is different to the world something that can stand in the storm of identity politics we will have to know who we are and i will have to know who you are and you are and you will have to know who i am we will have to because we have to know that we've got each other's hearts We, we we are keeping each other safe we are caring for one another truly and honestly not just looking inside oh this makes me happy this makes me sad some of those things I would have to say but that thing that makes you unhappy it's right that it makes you unhappy you've got to let go of that thing it's wonderful to have brothers and sisters in little prayer meetings and often someone says I want to quit smoking or vaping or drinking or sleeping too late or working too hard or social media they come they bring their brokenness so if can pile in and say yeah you've got to give that up your identity isn't that thing that's not who you are and we are here to tell you you are we're the mirror that's lifted up so you can see who you are and when we do that actually we're building the self to become who you truly are in christ but i don't want to say it's no good if just one or two of us are doing it it's it's a whole church-wide movement that we come and say these are things inside i look inside it makes me unhappy and some some of those things you need to tell me it does and sin does make us unhappy thanks be to God we look to him he defines us he constitutes us we can find our place not in the world out there first we can find our place in his family as his children and from there we can relate to each other confidently my goodness now i'm going to stop there now and uh, just amazing the children at the back you guys did so well so quietly if we if i the sermon was on obedient children <laughs> you gave us an example of what it looks like uh it's just wonderful thank you jessops let me pray for us and ask that the lord would teach us our father in heaven we hear that we are in exile uh, on earth this is what this passage says um, yes we are in exile. But that's thankfully not all that's true of us. We're also children. Children of obedience. That's what defines us. We come together as brothers and sisters sometimes and say where it's hard for us to be obedient to God. And then we have a cry with, two, with each other and a pat on the back and uh, we pray for one another to keep up the fight, to wait on the Lord, to expect His help, His care, His support and to be for each other a care and a support and a help. Father, we pray that we will be that sort of authentic loving community for one another. Not founded on friendship, which is nice, but not founded on founded on the new birth. Founded on purified hearts. Founded on the adoption as sons and daughters of the Most High. Make that the foundation of our love and our openness and our authenticity with one another. This we long for, Father. We long for this. You know it's your word that has called us from darkness to light and we're sorry that after we've become Christians many of us have let the Bible gather gather dust again and and carry on as if it doesn't matter it is your word that is our pure spiritual milk your word read your word preached your word eaten and drunk like we will in the Lord's Supper in a moment your word washed in baptism it is your word that matures us, that grows us up. We need to grow up, Father. Please come, give us more of Yourself to grow us up so that we can become this mature, loving church family that we really are in You. So we pray. We pray that we will remember who we are. We will live in line with this truth. uh, And we will also build a community that's in line with this truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.